Here the old gods are dead. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. We're all going out this weekend to mourn the death of the Monty's Rock Bar because we can't be there for Halloween. That's really sad. It is sad, but I'll be spending much more time in the creepy and other bars why am i doxing myself <laughs> if you want to spike my drink <laughs> come here <laughs> do you think anyone would do you think anyone listening to this podcast would spike someone be be honest with yourself these queers <laughs> i trust bitches with blue hair we see you <laughs> yep a drunk girl leaves her drink for a second and their hand is immediately over it covering the straw like nothing gets past them <laughs> oh how we've ended up with like the safest demographic in podcasting <laughs> it's so nice but if we ever said anything untoward it's over us thank god i edit the stuff myself <laughs> the only thing i edit is um just really really great ideas to on how to save the political landscape of the UK and stuff, but I just don't think he's ready for it yet. <laughs> Has anyone read the Unabomber's Manifesto? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're doing a shorter intro the day because yeah, if you listen to last week's episode, we're doing a back-to-back set. Yeah, and you're getting week-by-week episode for the just two weeks. <laughs> this one's significant and it's timely. Happy Halloween, everybody. We're going to talk about seven, finally, so... All the yeah. pagan bitches can get off my dick for five fucking minutes. Every time, <laughs> every time I ask, I'm like, what do you guys want to hear? It's the middle of fucking March and some witch talk witch is saying so. And I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> can yeah. we not wait until like another half of the way through the year, maybe? <laughs> every time. It's folklore at seven. It's like, do Halloween, do Halloween. So if you want pause this episode and go back and listen to Scottish Customs and Superstitions part one and two because I would treat this as kind of like a little sister of the episodes. It's going to be shorter. There's actually no doubt about it because there's 
there's only so much you can say about Samhain. There's no like a lot yeah. of mythology to go along with it or anything like that. It is just built purely in customs it's and traditions. Masks. It's yeah. cunty turnips. <laughs> <laughs> and it's cunty apples. It is, yeah, cunty apples. That's it. <laughs> so we'll take a wee break and then we'll talk about Halloween. <laughs> By the pricking of my thumbs, something wicked this way comes. Happy Halloween. Ooh. <laughs> Roast. <laughs> Does everybody remember in Halloween 2 where the guy keeps saying Sam Hain? <laughs> oh my God. When you when we did this episode the first time, because yet again, we decided to record two episodes. So this episode was already recorded and my audio was ass. When you were doing this last time, all I could think was Halloween 2 and he said, Sam Hain, the spirit of Halloween. <laughs> so cringe. I'm like, I'm like, they read a word and they were like, let's put a story behind this. That is nothing of the sort. What do you mean? <laughs> I've also like, let's say it fucking wrong a thousand times wholeheartedly. Uh, yeah, he put his psychology into that. <laughs> was he a psychologist? A psychiatrist? He's like Listen some kind of, he's, guy. He's wearing a lab coat. It's been a while right. since I've watched Halloween too. Great film though. It's my favourite of the Halloweens. So, Seven, it's pronounced Seven. It was marked by the ancient Celts as the most significant of the four quarterly fire festivals taking place at the midpoint between the fall equinox and the winter solstice. The beginning of winter was actually seen as the Celtic New Year to the ancient Celts. And it makes sense like I wish mm. I wish your calendar was like that because it makes so much sense for the for the year to start as it gets cold I think yeah like I think makes sense or like anything but what we're doing makes sense you know or like start the year in spring I'd be fine with that yeah I mean it makes more sense to me especially as somebody who's well one inter- interested in like pagan festivals and stuff but also interested in the way that the the Greeks kind of like celebrate spring by like the story of Persephone and how she's like captured taken to Hades basically and then uh, her mother yes. Demeter becomes so upset and Demeter controls the seasons and the harvest and stuff so when her daughter is captured by Hades the whole of the earth like nothing can grow and it turns cold uh, and then as Persephone comes back for the underworld. She she drops pomegranate seeds everywhere in spring, yeah. and then it beca- and the world begins to warm as Demeter is happy again, and then we have summer. I literally have goosebumps thinking about this. It's such a fucking good story. It's such yeah, a good story. and I just know everyone listening is like foaming at the mouth because you little queers know everything <laughs> about Greek mythology. I, I do like a way to explain seasons. Obviously, Kalia and Bridget is a good way to like explain that as well, but. Really sorry to Scottish folklorists. <laughs> Persephone, it's different. That's such a, it's my favourite myth. A hundred percent. A thousand percent. The Greeks just did it different. Yeah. I'll say it. <laughs> but um, as far as the ancient Celts go, during Samhain, it was the time of year that hair fires and family homes were left to burn out whilst the harvest was gathered. After the harvest work was complete, celebrants joined with Druid priests to light a community bonfire using a wheel that would cause friction and spark the flames. 
that we always considered a representation of the sun and used along with prayers and cattle were sacrificed and participants took a flame for this big bonfire and ran home to relight their hearth with it. So it was like a big community blessing. Yeah, it's like, um, you ever played Breath of the Wild and you have to do that to like get the the lab up and running? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's similar to that. It's like the... a, it's kind of similar to like the Olympic torch as well. Yeah. Like a, you you run with the Oh fire. my god, yeah. Yeah, and it's like a big like community experience and it's a way to like bring good luck and stuff. Um, I love it. I would actually recommend that anybody listening if you do want to like participate in some kind of like pagan good luck ritual over seven to like day some sort of fire spell and it can be whatever you want you don't have to google like fire spells or whatever like I, me and Liam are both big believers in that spells and magic can be whatever you want it to be like whether yeah, it be yeah it's just fun to like it's make... about intent girls <laughs> yeah like if you want to light a tea light and watch it burn out that's a seven ritual you can do that and I probably yeah. will be lighting candles around my windows and waiting for them to go as seven passes over. I think that's a good way to celebrate. Yeah. I'll be getting a bit elaborate, but like... As you do. Only because I start my PhD <laughs> the day after. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to get like really wicker man in your flat. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. Here the old gods aren't dead, for real. Early text presents Sowen as a mandatory celebration that lasted three days and three nights where the community was required to show themselves to local kings or chieftains and failure to participate was believed to result in punishment from the gods, which usually was illness or death or failure to crops. And it would be like if you did not show up to Halloween and something bad happened, like somebody in your family died or the crops on your patch of earth were bad. Yeah, it's kind of like... Witch, <laughs> like if anything's like going wrong, it's like she's a witch. <laughs> but in this case, it's like, well, you never showed up to seven. <laughs> what did you expect? Um, <laughs> so there was also a military aspect to seven in Ireland. Holiday thrones were prepared for commanders and soldiers, and anyone who committed a crime or used their weapon during the celebration faced a death sentence. Some documents mention six days of drinking alcohol to excess, which was typically mead or beer, along with gluttonous feasts, and this was the same across all the Celtic nations. It was very much a celebration of excess. Because the Celts believed that the barrier between worlds was breachable during seven, they prepared offerings that were left outside the villages and fields for fairies or cheese, like banshees woven cheese that kind of thing I, I guess we all kind of ken that that the whole premise of Sauron and Halloween is that the the veil between the, the veil and, is non-existent yeah anymore. yeah it's down yeah between the world of monsters and fae and the world of the dead and the living so everything's up for grabs <laughs> your soul the song <laughs> Gods and Monsters by Lana Del Rey is actually about the origins <laughs> of Halloween I think <laughs> so because the veil between the living and dead is thin it is expected that ancestors might cross over during this time as well and ancient Celts would dress as animals and monsters so that fairies were not tempted to kidnap them but they would also leave out offerings for their dead ancestors some specific monsters though that are associated with the mythology surrounding Samhain include a shape-shifting creature called a pucka that receives harvest offerings from the field 
The Lady Gwyn is a headless woman dressed in white who chases night wanderers and is often accompanied by a ferocious black pig. Okay, she's Welsh. <laughs> yeah, Lady Gwyn being Welsh. Um, yeah. So the Dullahan sometimes appeared as impish creatures and then sometimes as headless horsemen riding flame-eyed horses. Their appearance was a death omen to anyone who encountered them. And a group of hunters known as the Slua on Samhain and kidnap people. We did speak about the Slua in Scottish Customs Part 2. They are basically just a large group of fairies who can either possess or kidnap somebody. Large group of fairies, polo night club, <laughs> CC Bloomed. <laughs> Madonna on Wednesday night. <laughs> it's never not funny. <laughs> so the slew are basically come for the West to enter houses and steal souls. When we spoke about them in the Scottish Customs episode, we basically said that if somebody dies in your home, it's very common to like, close your window to the west to make sure that the slua cannot enter and possess your dead loved one. One of the most popular stories that's told during the Festival of Samhain was the Second Battle of Mag Turid, which portrays the final conflict between the Celtic pantheon known as the Tuatha Dé and evil oppressors known as the Fomer. The myth states that the battle unfolded over the period of Samhain. One of the other famous Samhain-related stories is the Adventures in Era, in which the hero Nira encounters a corpse and fairies and enters into the underworld. So it's much similar to Orpheus and Eurydice and the fact that like Nira goes to the underworld mm. to battle with the spirits there. Um, Donatella Eurydice <laughs> Oh my god You missed that The last episode Was so oh, funny That we recorded so... What was it I was trying to say Oh my god I was trying to say Grimace Oh because the brother's grim And then we were like Does the word grim Come from Grimace But grimace Is one of those words That like I pronounced So wrong For like 10 years Because I'd only ever Seen it in books That I was reading And then somebody said Grimace And I was like Oh that's what that is <laughs> and we, I was like, <laughs> I didn't actually pronounce it like this, but because it ends in A-C-E, I was like, Gramache. <laughs> Gramache. Donatella Gramache. What was the other one? There was another one in this episode. Uh, when it comes up, you'll ken. You'll ken to me oh. the joke. <laughs> um, <laughs> Seven figured into the adventures of the mythological Celtic hero Finn McCool when he faced the fire-breathing underworld dweller Aileen who would burn down the Hall of Tara every seven. And the Hall of Tara is where the Celtic pantheon kind of lives. So mm. as the Middle Ages progressed, so did the celebrations of fire festivals. Mere personal seven fires nearer to farms became merrier tradition. So instead of this large community bonfire, families would have their own smaller bonfires near their homes. And this was purportedly to protect families from the fae and witches. So rather than... Having a big team effort, <laughs> it became mere individual, which is yeah. society's truly went to the dogs. <laughs> Atomization. <laughs> it is truly a curse that we are still dealing with. But like when people say we live in a society, actually, no, we don't. <laughs> we don't actually. Aye, so in the medieval period, this is kind of where like carved turnips, which were called jack-o'-lanterns, began to appear. And these were attached by strings to sticks and embedded with coal and then lit, which is how the fire was kept. We spoke about jack-o'-lanterns as well in the Will-o'-the-Wisp episode. So instead of it being Will-o'-the-Wisp, what it is in Scotland, in Ireland they called them jack-o'-lantern. So jack of the lantern. Seven traditions are not just exclusive to 
Scotland and Ireland though in Wales men tossed burning wood at each other in violent games and set off fireworks Welsh sound sounds class look at that it sounds so much more fun <laughs> <laughs> like have you ever tried carving a turnip because I have it's hard you'll I, be half a finger short after it yeah I implore anyone not to do that <laughs> yeah use a pumpkin the Americans have it right use a f- butternut squash if you if that's all you have an orange I've seen people do that before yeah pumpkins oh we satsuma is very cute actually <laughs> it's just not worth losing your hand or like have you ever seen that picture of someone where they've like cut an avocado wrong and the knives went straight through their hand and the avocado <laughs> that is what would happen <laughs> if you tried to carve an eat that is genuinely what would happen so please do not try this at home leave it to the past <laughs> yeah some traditions did need to die in northern England, men would parade around on sewing wee noisemakers. So, like, this would be like any hen tied to a stick and, like, rattled around in your hand just to ward off ev- evil spirits. And the tradition. Oh, that would do my head in. Yeah. That would be uh, very. People annoying. still kind of do that, like, with the, like, fire festivals, the beating drums and stuff. That's the whole reason why they play, like, music really loudly and set off fireworks and light fires. It's just to ward off evil. Um, yeah, throw tra- your flaming log at me, that's fine. Noise, <laughs> that's where I draw the line. <laughs> the tradition of a dumb supper began during this time in which food was consumed by celebrants but only after inviting ancestors to join in, giving the families a chance mm-hmm. to interact with the spirits of the dead until they left following dinner. Children would play games to entertain the dead whilst adults would update the dead on the past year's news. That night, doors and windows might be left open for the dead to come in and eat the cakes that had been left for them. So it's a very positive celebration of death. We've very much lost our wives. I can remember when I was in college, I wrote an article about like mourning and death culture. Obviously, Irish wakes have very much remained the same. But even, I think we spoke about this before, my mum's mother, she was left in the home when she died before her Mm -hmm. funeral because that Mm -hmm. is like the traditional Scottish way. And it's a much more personal thing today than keep somebody in the fridge for days on end and no be able to like interact with them and stuff. Like obviously they were kind of shiting themselves because Marion was like in the other room (laughs) and it's not something that we're used to anymore. But it is like a much more personal way to to deal with death and like go and visit them and spend time with them when they're gone. It's more real as well. Yeah. Like it feels final. Anyway, as Christianity gained a foothold in pagan communities, church leaders attempted to reframe Samhain as a Christian celebration. The first attempt was by Pope Boniface in the 5th century. <laughs> That's it. Donatella Boniface. <laughs> even though it's not even the same, is it? Wait, it is. It is. It is Boniface. Um, or Boniface, if you want to Scottish. Yeah, Boniface. <laughs> Scottish, like. Pope Boniface. Uh... <laughs> um, he moved the celebration to May 13th and specified it as a day celebrating saints and martyrs. And the fire festivals of October and November, however, did not end with this decree. So, like, the transition to paganism into, like, Christianity was... It wasn't, like, a... It did they have a mere night. And mm-hmm. folk were like, nah, the fire festivals were class. We're going to keep doing that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in the 9th century, Pope Gregory moved the celebration back to the time of the fire festivals. But he declared it All Saints Day on November 1st and All Souls Day would fall on November 2nd. So that's why we have 
these like Christian holidays on these dates is because yeah the the Vatican were like oh we need to kind of keep up with <laughs> how do we make this about us <laughs> neither new holiday did away with the pagan aspects of the celebration and October thirty first became known as All Hallows Eve or Halloween. And it contained mm-hmm. much of the traditional pagan practices before being adopted in 19th century America through Irish and Scottish immigrants bringing their traditions across the ocean. Guising or trick-or-treating derives through the ancient Irish and Scottish practices and the nights leading up to seven. Here, practices of putting on costumes and going door-to-door and singing songs to the dead were common and they made their way out to America and that's how they became trick-or-treating cakes were typically given as payment but these would eventually turn into the sweeties that we now know i spoke about this to liam <laughs> um, and <laughs> i know what you're about to say and i'm still like the way you with your whole chest said to me do you know this song? like did you do this song i was like no <laughs> well so in my little village where i grew up halloween traditions were very much strong and instead of going to people's doors and going trick or treat, which I think is bullshit, at least tell a joke. Oh, I don't do that. Make, I didn't do that. Make the spirits laugh or sing a song. And we would sing, we, we would kind of mix it up. We would either tell a joke or we'd go up to the next door and then we'd sing a song and we would go, Halloween is coming, the goose is getting fat, please put a penny in the old man's hat. And then, there's more to it than that, but I can't remember. If anybody sang that song, please let me in. It cannot just, just be with localized. Your whole, the way with your whole chest, you were like, oh yeah, and this song. And I was like, Halloween is coming as a tune. <laughs> I do, I feel like maybe, I don't know if it's just because you sang it to me last week uh-huh. or if I actually do remember people doing it, but it just wasn't for me. But I also didn't do trick or treat. I kind of just stood there menacingly until someone said something. <laughs> maybe the council asked... estate had mere energy, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I would just stare at people menacingly until they asked me like if I had like a joke or something and then I'd tell them a joke. What was your go-to <laughs> Halloween joke? Um, I go to Halloween joke. I don't know. As a child, I had many, many joke books. Many joke books. Uh, yeah, I had, I... I had a Halloween specific one as well. One that I remember today that I, I just laughed out loud to myself, and then I did this Narius, and he just stared at me. Um, it's not even Halloween related. It's just like it's one that I remember telling, mm-hmm. and it just makes me laugh to this day. Is um, a bear walks into a bar. <laughs> he says, "Hey, buddy." Can I get a whiskey and a Coke? The bartender says, sure, pal. But why the big pause? The bear <laughs> says, I don't know. I was born with them. <laughs> <laughs> and you have to do it in that accent or it's not as funny. I kind of think I kind of think a joke. Apart, like, see, when we were waiting, me and my sister, like, actually drew up and wrote a joke book. And my nana found it like a few years ago and we were reading it and there's one in it that's a total belter <laughs> like that two five-year-olds wrote. And I have been gasping for her to try and find that joke book again and she can't find it. One day <sighs> I will be able to tell you this joke when she finds it. But like, genuinely, we were reading through it and we were like, here, that's class. <laughs> there are some jokes that you make with your friends and then you think you could do a stand-up to it. Like, it's crazy. This is that. <laughs> this yeah. is that dream. I might write a joke book. Give me a give me a month, okay? I'll get back to you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to Halloween. Halloween pranks also have a tradition in sewing. So the trick of the trick and treat comes from 
ancient Celts, but the children in their times were typically like when they made when they played tricks, they blamed them on fairies and monsters. Whereas mm-hmm. children now just like egg Wendy's respect throw, <laughs> throw toilet roll at things, eggs, um, shit on someone's doorstep, the usual throwing toilet roll. Mm. L mm-hmm. that's so boring. Yeah. <laughs> get out there, guys. Get into the streets and throw eggs. <laughs> eggs. Yeah. You need to get into that medieval, like, disapproving of someone in a stall Witch. energy. <laughs> get into your fucking, what you call that place where all the witches die? Fife. Get into your <laughs> Fife core <laughs> and start throwing rotten vegetables at things. Do it. It is cathartic. Go to Parliament. <laughs> with Bomb them. A sack. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> Not yet. Save for that for legal the reasons, that is a joke. <laughs> um, go with a sack of rotten tomatoes. Don't actually do this either because you will probably get arrested for a long time. And just start throwing tomatoes. <laughs> Bomb them. It's fun. Go to a teacher you hated. Like, if you had, like, that teacher that was just, like, belligerently homophobic <laughs> in school, get eggs and tomatoes and just go. Go for it. Robert Burns, the famous Scots poet, wrote about the myths and legends and traditions associated with Halloween in Scotland in his poem, creatively named Halloween, which was written <laughs> in 1785. I spoke about that in the Tam O'Shanter episode, and it is evident by the fact that he wrote Tam O'Shanter that Robert Burns yeah. was a bit spooky. Like, he used to sit at the fire in his mum's house, and his mum and auntie were a bit ooky spooky, and they would share folk tales among and us? myths Who and legends and stuff. <laughs> So he wrote Halloween. I'll say a wee bit of it. Some merry, friendly country folks together did convene to burn their nits and poo their socks and hod their Halloween. (laughs) (laughs) As mentioned in the poem, a common Halloween tradition was for an engaged couple to each put a nut on the fire. So that's what he means about burning their nits. If the nuts burned quietly, then the marriage would be happy. However, if the nuts spat and hissed, the marriage would be stormy. Similarly, if a girl put two nuts on the fire, one for her lover and one for herself, if the nuts spat and hissed, then this was a bad omen for their future and she should avoid that situationship. <laughs> and then, That's kind of real. And then when he's saying about pooing the stalks or hodding their stalks, the, the, it means that they're pulling stalks of a plant and the plant yeah. typically used was stalks of kale or castics as they were known. The stalks were pulled out of the ground after dark with one's eyes shut and the idea was that the length and straightness of the stalk would indicate a uh-huh. <laughs> would indicate a, a future Quote partner's height and figure <laughs> and if it was a skinny tall stalk of kale it is a given that his appendage might be massive anyway <laughs> it just is like that unfortunately <laughs> yeah and then any soil on the stalk would indicate wealth so the dirtier the better as millie bobby brown would say <laughs> the dirtier the better <laughs> uh, uh, she she can't have a pr team surely yeah i was just going to say that if millie bobby brown this this is the way like millie bobby brown was like eating carrots 
on some YouTube video. I think it was for like Vogue or something, to be honest. No, it's, uh, which one is it where they do like the like food diaries, like what I eat in a day? It's, um, oh, they also do the like the lyric ones where the people get given a lyric and they have to do oh, like I know, a song uh, that yeah, has that I lyric in it. Anyway, Trixie so, Mattel has a really good one of those. Um, she's eating carrots and she's talking about that she likes ones that come straight for the ground if they're dirtier, they taste better. And she just looks like <laughs> she looks like Gromit <laughs> or Wallace. <laughs> the way her face contorts <laughs> into claymation it is disturbing. <laughs> I can for I can for a fact that her PR lady was behind that camera, being like, "Shut the fuck up!" <laughs> like, shut up. But you kind of hear a good time if that's who you're doing PR for. I know that it's bad that like she does get like a bit of shit and she's quite young, but like for fuck's sake, she kens what memes are. <laughs> that's why like when Taylor Swift's in public, she cannot talk until her PR woman has said speak. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, like if you watch any videos of like Taylor Swift at events, her PR lady tree pains next to her. And if Taylor Swift goes to stand up, she goes, just wait, just wait. And she goes, okay, stand. <laughs> that is insane. Why would you live your life like that? It must be miserable. It must be. Yeah. Perfect image. Horrible life. Yeah. I mean, if you're rich and like causing that much carbon emission, like how bad can life be? <laughs> but at the same time, like, my God, I'd rather be dead. Anyway. Fame is a prison, as Lady Gaga says. <laughs> Speaking <laughs> of death, um, seven. <laughs> um, apples were seen by Celts as a sign of fertility and abundance, but... Bobbing for apples or duking for apples, as we call it, is actually just a fun game. Uh, a basin is yeah. filled with water and apples, and all you need today is chomp, chomp, waterboard chomp. Waterboard your friends. Yeah, waterboard your mm-hmm. friends to try and get apples mm-hmm. in the water. <laughs> I fucking loved duking for apples. I think it's yeah. class. But yeah. if if anybody's hesitating in front of that water, just being able to like shove your hand in the back of their teeth <laughs> and nearly drown them, loved it. As a sociopathic little creepy child, I was a big fan. <laughs> yeah. What was your favourite Halloween not... costume when you were wee? What was the best thing you ever dressed up as? Okay, not the best one I ever dressed up as, but there was a Scooby-Doo Halloween costume that I lived in for months after Halloween. Bet. <laughs> Bet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. There were signs <laughs> of something about my brain <laughs> from an early age that were just ignored and over <laughs> But I wore it for months. This, like, this episode's was just a bit being autistic, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, waterboarding your friends, wearing a costume for more than is socially acceptable. <laughs> we spoke about this last time as well, but there's a, a total class picture of my sister in primary one dressed up as Dracula, but like in a kind of like Count Fu Sesame Street kind of way. So like massive, like <laughs> their beautiful blonde hair was spray painted black <laughs> and then they had a big triangle painted onto their forehead, white skin, dark eyes, blood around their lips and stuff. And has like the like classic like ruffles like monstrous kind of Dracula costume on, Love and they're sat next to my pal Ailey, and Ailey's like meant to be a witch or something, but she definitely doesn't have her hat on, so she just looks cute. <laughs> and like Carl's <laughs> next to them, looking absolutely demented. It's such a cool costume though, and they did win best dressed um, at the primary one uh-huh. Halloween party. Um, but my mum really loved doing her face paint and stuff. I can remember being like. I actually have a picture of this as well. I'm going to put it on the story. It's me dressed up as Little Red Riding Hood, but my mum had painted my face to look like a decaying dead zombie. So I was Little Dead Riding Hood and I had a wolf's 
mask in a basket that was wearing like a granny's hat and glasses. <laughs> it was cool. That is that is very smart as yeah. a costume goes. And, and then I think that year my sister went as like some sort of like punk theory kind of thing. Love. Anyway, that's kind of a summary of what Samhain is and how we still kind of hold to these pagan traditions. I would say that these pagan traditions have lasted longer than any others or as strongly. Like, we we really do. Like, Christianity has not had anything to do with Halloween. Um, and another... I believe that they're a blog and I think they have a podcast as well. They're called Scotland Stories. And on their blog today with Halloween, they had this very great summary about what Samhain can mean. And oh, I, it's really good. I genuinely could never say it better myself. So thank you to Scotland Stories for this great little excerpt. Quote, Death to our modern world is something to be feared and not celebrated, which is perhaps partly why the true meaning of Samhain has been lost amongst the commercialisation of Halloween. But for our ancient ancestors, death was only a new beginning. When the winter sets in and the earth seems to all but die, it is inevitably reborn again in the spring. Thus, Samhain is believed to have been the Celtic New Year, bringing a brand new cycle of life, a time for lighting candles and fires through the winter, reflecting on the year gone by and looking forward to life and light on the other side. God So, that being said, everybody, light a little fire, speak to your gone loved ones. Eggs. Egg people's houses. Live a little... Play a little trick on your friends or your partners that you live with. Tell a few jokes. I would get into it. Like, it's the best way to... And even if you're no Scottish or Irish or any Celtic nation, I think it's it's a great little way to celebrate the end of the year and to celebrate a harvest coming in. Light a little fire in your yeah, heart. Yeah, get spooky. <laughs> but anyway, that has been the long-awaited seven episode. Um, I know I said this was going to be short. We've been recording for an hour. Uh, oh my God. <laughs> I'll probably be, be able to edit it into something um, still a bit 35 longer. 35 minutes. Yeah, probably. 35 minutes is my guess. <laughs> um, yeah. But anyway, that's been the Creepy Wee Podcast. If you want to follow us on social media, you can follow us on Instagram at the Creepy Wee Podcast, Twitter at the Creepy Wee Pod, anything else, the Creepy Wee Podcast.co.uk, and always leave us five star reviews wherever you listen. Thanks. Bye. I was working in the bar late one night. <laughs> Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.